0: And welcome to merger Markets today. My name is Anna Paula Picasso, and this episode will be about the most underrated investment sectors in Africa. And I'm here with Ajoma Ejimadu. She's currently an MBA student at Columbia Business School, but you have many more projects, Ajay, don't you? <laughs> it's better if you introduce yourself.
1: Yes, of course. Hey, Anna, and thank you for having me. Um, And hey, everyone who's listening. My name is Ija Majumadu. As Anna mentioned, I am a Columbia Business School student. This is my first year. But prior to coming to business school, um, I was an engineer. I worked in the manufacturing industry, so from oil and gas to food and ag um, and also chemicals. But concurrently, um, after seeing my mother struggle with her business while living in Nigeria, I decided to start a nonprofit. Um, the name of my nonprofit organization is called Ivory Irie, and we empower women through education, mentorship, and funding. Um, and so in our last competition, pitch competition, we are able to give away $10,000 to the top winners and in-kind um, services and cash. Um, and then kind of coming out of the nonprofit organization and really working with like My community, I learned that the way to actually empower women and actually believe that they can do this is actually giving them money. And so that is what sparked my interest in venture capital. And um, that is what I'm pursuing right now um, uh, at Columbia University. Yeah. Yeah,
0: and definitely we going to talk more about your non-profit organization a little bit later on in the episode. And the reason I invite you to the podcast is because I came across your Medium articles. They were actually called the most underrated investment sectors in Africa. We're going to talk about education technology, EdTech for short, PropTech, Property Technology, as well. So I can link them both in the show notes. So after you guys listen to the episode, you can go check out the two articles on Median from my Jay. You know, let's dive straight in into educational technology. You know, it's not something that we talk much about it. I, I, I had uh, Max Covellier in another episode. We talk about big headlines about fintech. So we see a lot of about fintech, about big rounds of investment in the financial sector, but not so much about education and property.
1: Yeah, no, that's a great observation. I'm glad that you mentioned Max because I cite him in that article that I shared on overlooked investment sectors in Africa. And so one of the things um, that I guess like a lot of people don't realize is that Um, Education and funding education is um, literally funding your future. It is, it's like, it is you trying to like groom the folks now for the future when people retire and people like jobs change and things like that change. And so I think one of the reasons that it may be overlooked is because it's such a long term thing. Um, Investors want, um, you know, returns on their investment now. Um, The way success is measured in education is a little different from the way um, financial, like the fintech um, sectors would measure success. And so maybe to give you a little bit of background on like where I was at before I started writing this article was because like Max, um, they always publish like, if if you haven't subscribed and you are really, really. Yes, go subscribe to Africa the Big Deal, the newsletter. Africa the Big Deal, Substack. Um, check it out because he publishes a lot of data Um, but um, one of the things that he does at the end of every year is that he creates this map of where investments have gone so he puts it in buckets like fintech, energy, logistics and retail and education and you can see that education is growing so I think um, maybe 2019, 2018, we had Andela come up. Um, Andela, which is um, one of one of Africa's unicorns now, education at the time, they were training software engineers and sourcing talent to um, international firms that needed it. But then um, we also saw Lesson pop up and things like that. But the reason why it was just a little interesting was that FinTech consistently got half of the money that flew through the continent flew into the continent and so then you saw this little section of like education and all other things not to say that those don't matter it's just that education is so critical um, that even the way we fund it tells a lot about what's going on in that space i think beyond venture capital it's important to also know like the budget allocation for a lot of countries in Africa for education has declined over the last five years. So that's problematic. That's, that's like, that's an issue because again, we, we keep boasting about young population and we have a lot of uh, human capital, but where, where are we putting our money to make sure like these um, young folks have the future opportunities or at least trained right now for those future opportunities. I just want to go back what you said about the country's
0: investment of the some African countries are declining in the last few years. Do you think that created an opportunity for the private sector for these companies to come in? And also, how big is, is the educational sector in Africa? When we say Africa, we're talking more about the sub-Saharan countries.
1: And yeah so to answer the latter question first um so our education market size in Africa is 2.4 or 2.5 billion dollars um and it's continuing to grow now um education globally is like closer to 3 trillion um and of course this cuts across you know pre um pre-K to getting into the workforce lifelong learning and things like that um but I I think the way that it has declined is very interesting. I think there are a couple of things that really make education struggle just a little bit, um, especially in the continent where, um, yes, you've seen that there's a decline in education spend, but you're also seeing like people spend a lot of money on international education. So people are saving their last dollar to make sure that their children are going to the UK, US, or any other part of the world where the educational system is so much better, and they're willing to spend a lot of money. Now, that has also declined a little bit as well, but definitely people are prioritizing getting their children out of Africa to get educated somewhere, which contributes to the brain drain that we're seeing currently. Now, I think there's a lot of opportunity for education um, and maybe to talk a little bit about why education also struggles for like investment or it generally like pitching. So usually when you say like, oh, you know, I want to start this um, tutoring organization or something that would help expose kids to different careers, it's often seen as a nonprofit thing or a social enterprise organization. And so like, I think that that, that definitely doesn't help, especially because business models for education kind of sucks. Like, um, and I say that carefully, right? Because in the US, when somebody comes up with like an education, um, say, say like um, I don't know, like a tutoring organization or online tutoring, on-demand tutoring for students, they can go to school districts and sell that. They can go to the government. They can go like most a lot of these education, especially when it comes to like higher education and like secondary school education, um, you see a lot of the customers is the government is like, you know what I mean? So, but the thing is like, with the lack of priority and obviously like, um, limited budgeting, um, and I would even say like corruption within a lot of the governments in Africa, um, it's very hard to sell like a product to the government, unless you have like deep, 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 deep connections within that space. Not to say it's impossible, but if you really think about the educate, like the noviances of the world, the power school of the world, right? They're selling directly to school districts and they're able to capture 40, 50% of market share when it comes to things like career preparedness. So I think that's really one thing that challenges it. Um, I think the other thing is, you know, it's education technology. Um, and a lot of, and that's taken the form of, you know, on-demand education. So like, online internet connectivity. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, I was gonna ask you, within the edtech sector, you have subsectors. So what are they for people to get familiar? What are they, and which sec, which subsectors are, in your view, are getting the most? Uh, investments are getting
1: are easier to get funding let's put that way oh okay that's a that's a great question so the way i think about education um and everybody can think very differently about this this is just the way i think about it i break it down by like end user um because you know pre-kindergarten has their own you know market k to 12 has their own market um Higher education, colleges, universities, um, vocational schools, and then there is the career side, right? The lifelong learning side, where people like corporations are buying up, um, uh, or sorry, are subscribing to a lot of these lifelong learning um, um, solutions, are for training their employees and reskilling and upskilling stuff. So that's the way I think about it. Probably like four different categories. I think in the continent, I can only use, like, case studies. So, company Andela, and I mentioned Andela before, now their business model has changed, but their target audience was more so um, post-grad um, students. So, like, people who have gotten out of the university and they're looking for opportunities to do, like, you know, soft sorry um, software engineering. Um, so, usually that's, like, post-college or... Um, what's it called? Or maybe somebody who's trying to switch careers, right? They want to get into software. So they've become a, sorry about the background noise, um, but they became a unicorn by just creating a business model that works that works best for everyone, right? So they train up the engineers, they send them off to like different, um, uh, what's it called? Um, different companies that need, need the talent and they're able to get, Money from both of those angles. So, and they again became a unicorn. So, I think that that's pretty telling sign that okay, this sector or this particular area um, is, um, I guess, it is one of the places that people could potentially plug into. I think Old School is doing something very similar. Um, Old school is a Nigerian-based company, and they're doing, um, again, something similar. They're treating, they just opened up their product school, so they're teaching um, product managers to become product managers for different organizations, very similar. And they've also re- recently received some funding. Um, but a little bit more on the like K-12 side, we're seeing Lesson pop up. U lesson actually started off, um, if I remember correctly, um, with a a hardware. What they they wanted to be able to get students who were in more um, developing parts of the country and on the continent to access rural areas. Yeah, rural areas where so they can access like you know tutoring help for math and English and science. So they sold hardwares. Um, that you could plug into your phone so it didn't need to be a smartphone um, so that your kid can learn. That business model has recently changed, but he has gotten a significant amount of funding. Um, and so I think I think generally speaking, we are seeing, I think across the sector, there is a whole lot of opportunity. Um, but I think that if you're following the money, it's probably gonna be closer to like, you know, once people get out of school or around the time where they're trying to reskill or upskill. Um, but all of these sectors are quite critical because if you don't catch things in the beginning, you're gonna just kind of like keep pushing the problem until like you hit a certain point. You know what I mean? I think when um, in the context of Africa, it's very important that we understand that while there are so many headwinds, there are also some tailwinds. The challenges, internet penetration. Internet penetration is increasing. It is not as fast paced as we want it to, but we are seeing internet penetration um, increase. We're starting to see people create like amazing um, because of these. Challenges you're seeing people get really creative. Um, there's one of my favorite companies called Fundamates. They are a South African-based company um, started by um, this this couple, and they created pretty much a chat GTP version for WhatsApp, where children can get on WhatsApp and say what is two plus two, and the bot spits out the answer. Oh, can you like define I don't know soccer? And this thing would literally spit it out, and so you're starting to see people leverage WhatsApp that everybody is usually on to empower parents and students um, to become smarter, achieve their learning goals. Um, I think it's also promising that the middle class is also growing. Um, that means they have a little bit more income to use and buy and, and actually like spend on some of these. Um, educational, um, all these educational support um, tech technologies that they can use to improve their educational outcomes. So it's, it it is it is it is like currently sucks. I think there's a lot of opportunity for infrastructure. There, there's a and, and it is what it is like. If the landscape is like it sucks, but it, that literally means there's opportunity for improvement. So if we can get some infrastructure done, especially when it comes to internet penetration, and then we get like very passionate builders who are willing to build for our context, I think we're on our on our way.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think that's where true innovation comes from because you have to be creative as an entrepreneur, jump the hurdles, you know, internet penetration. So how do you... Um, come up with a service that would fit the environment and yeah that's why i like so much emerging markets i think that's what the true innovation is and yeah that was a great overview of the ed tech sector and the second one hey it's me Paula, and i'm glad you're enjoying the episode but have you checked the mt site if not you can just go to emergingmarkets.today and you can also help me keep the site entirely free to read. No paywalls and no subscription. I'd really appreciate your support with a donation via PayPal or cryptocurrencies. To donate, you can go directly to the AMT site or click on the link in this episode description. Thank you and I hope you enjoyed the rest of the episode. Is property technology? It's something that really people don't talk about, or at least I haven't read much about it. Explain a little bit, because even for me, it's not really clear what property technology is. Is it real estate? Is it what
1: is it? Yeah, um, great question. So the way I think about prop tech is essentially any technology that we need to solve real estate problems. That's that's from renting to purchasing, commercial, residential, and all of those things. So the way I would think about, the way I classify prop tech is one, like, things that really are, like, fintech prop tech. So, for example, if you want to pay rent, an app that allows you to take payments to pay rent, that's kind of the way I think about it. Then I think about, like, smart real estate um, in the way that, like... um, you know, like how COVID happened or even like your doorbells, right? Like things that allow you to see the person who's at your door before you get to the door. So like little like gadgets and technology like that, smart locks, using pins instead of keys, things like that. Um, You also see like a collaborative economy that is Airbnb. Um, So like they are using this platform to connect people to make sure their homes are, you know, like hosts and people who are coming in to use their homes. Um, Construction tech, I feel like people don't talk about enough, but construction tech is, I feel like where a lot of the opportunity for like, you know, sustainable building, sustainable buildings and sustainable with sustainable materials. So like things that have to do with actual construction what kind of materials are we using um to build um you know buildings or whatever the case may be so that's the way i think about prop tech i think about um the only other thing that i would say is like the reason why prop tech is coming up and becoming a little bit more um uh popular now is because real estate is ripe for disruption um if you think about it like We've always owned, people have always owned land. People have always rented. People have always like had a, usually have a roof over their head. That's usually a priority for a lot of folks. But because, um, you know, like it's very, it's very much like a, let me just, let me get this property and like, I'll purchase it. We don't, there's so many things that happen when we're purchasing that just like is a pain in the butt. Like I recently bought a house And it 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 was a mess. Like it, like I love my realtor helped out a lot. And like my lender helped out, but you, I had somebody have like come physically to my house to give me a hundred page document to sign. Like it's 2021, right? Like that's where I think technology can really plug in and help digitize a lot of these processes that just seem very like, cumbersome so yes yeah, so I'll stop there as far as like prop tech and like we can dive into what that means in Africa yeah yeah do you have any case studies you want to mention so in the African context right And it's important to paint a picture here because we do have of course like the major cities where there's a lot more like more expensive real estate but I think if you look at the context like higher level it We also have issues of like urban planning. We have issues of like like people being displaced or maybe also even when it comes to like rural areas, um, they don't have as much like access as like maybe if you're living in a metropolitan city. So um, there are a lot of, I think there's a lot of opportunity that like technology can come in um, and actually support these areas. I did also want to mention like um, in African context, a lot of people don't pay month-to-month rent, for example. Yeah. Yeah, so a lot of people, most of it is like, if it's your first time walking to the apartment, you're paying two years up front, and then after that, you're paying year by year. So you got to think about what that, that means. That means you have to be very diligent with your um, um, your savings, um, and you have to be able to like come up with this uh, a huge amount of cash, right? upfront every year now on their landlord side they're concerned because um, there a lot of people don't have steady income so they want to get their money upfront right you don't want a situation where this month is okay the next month is not right so that's that's how they're that's what they're doing to um, essentially like protect themselves. I did want to share um, a company um, called Spleet. Um, that's based in Nigeria, um, started by Tola. He recently just raised, I think, $3 million. that was actually led by Mac Ventures, um, which is a U.S.-based um, venture firm, um, in fact, a Black-owned um, uh, venture firm based in, I think, California, if I'm not mistaken. And they um, also came out of um, uh, an accelerator program that's based out here in New York, which is very funny um, it's the biggest accelerator for property and real estate in the world, Metaprop. And it's funny because now he's my professor at school, which is very funny that we get to like talk about like a real estate sometimes um, after class. Um, but I bring, I bring split up because they're one of the people who are coming in and trying to provide more flexible rental payment in metropolitan cities. So um, things like that, it's like very, very, Innovative in that like a lot of people are used to paying um, all this money up front, whereas like Sleeds is coming in trying to like offer more flexible payment options.
0: Thank you, AJ. I think it was a great overview, both of the prop tech and the ed tech sectors, something that people, not many people talk about it, especially not on a podcast, and now it's time for you to talk about you and your nonprofit.
1: Again, I started my nonprofit organization back in 2017. We actually started off as a blog. Um, yeah. And we're blogging a lot about African women, um, her business, and all the things that affect um, outcomes within her career and her business. But then quickly um, transitioned into doing more events and honing in on making sure like the African female entrepreneur is empowered through educational programs we hosted, through our conference through our conferences, um, and also like funding. Um, so as I'd mentioned, we did give away $10,000 in cash and in-kind services to our top winners at our last pitch competition. And um, just with working a lot with those women, um, we learned that, you know, at least for me, my biggest conviction was, um, being able to give them money, invest in them, and also expect returns from that investment. And so that's kind of the reason why I've pivoted into VC. But while I was at Ivory, I, while I was running Ivory re which is, which is a little bit on pause right now because of business school and a lot of things that are going on. But um, we, again, we're very intentional about making sure that our community um, was well supported. So have one on one office hours with the founders within the community. Um, and then what we do is just connect them with the resources that they need um, and continuously, like, continue to engage them and see um, how we can best support, um, given the community that we already have and, like, um, some access that I have within um, my networks. And if anyone wants to
0: get in touch with you and get to know more about and get involved with
1: Ivory Aiding, I know you on LinkedIn, email. Yeah, my LinkedIn is Um I'm sure you would type that out for them. I don't need to spell it. Um, yes, no, no. I'll put all the links in the description. <laughs> yes, yeah. please. Um, and also follow me on Twitter. It's um, I post a lot about Africa. I post a lot about investment opportunities, um, both for VCs. Recently completed a research um, looking at VCE junior level salaries across the continent. Data. If you know anything about the continent, data is not the most visible. So I'm um, gathering that data and publishing that content. That's something that you're very interested in. Um, and I also continue to write um, about Africa. So um, also my Medium page. Check that out as well. It's Medium. Yeah, I'll put that.
0: I'll put your articles in the show notes. And yeah, like I mentioned before, can guys can go check out and read about the two articles of the most underrated sectors in Africa, EdTech and PropTech. And thank you very much. Thank you, um, Thank you. Have a it day was day. a great. It was a great conversation. Yeah.